Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Another great weekend of college basketball action. A lot of people watching the NFL. We're watching college basketball. And Gus, it appears that the underdogs were very, very live, not only in the game, but on the gambling card as well. It seemed like people might have had some fun on their gambling card when playing against Vegas for this college basketball weekend. Mike Randall, how's everything going? <laughs> Dogs are barking. It's going very well, Gus. Uh, actually, well, <laughs> welcome back to the Screen the Screen of College Basketball Podcast. We appreciate you listening as always. I'm going to start with this one, my friend. Somehow, I have coerced my wife into supporting... Uh, monetary investments on these okay, games. Okay, okay, okay. Whatever you're gonna go right now, this is a great story. You, uh, we look, we we could just stop the podcast right here, and this is a fantastic story. So here's the deal: on Saturday, you know, Gus and I always go over the lines, we will go over the games, we preview, we text back and forth the whole thing. So I decided to take a hard look at Duke minus 17 talked to gus he ran his numbers he supported it the whole thing whatever i think he even put it on twitter on the hashtag SES podcast line yeah that yeah. that's the one we nailed this weekend usually i try to stay away from the weekend games just to enjoy them but we went with a couple that was the one that we got yeah so i find out that coach k is out with the flu like five minutes before the game which of course means the bet's got to come off we, we can't invest in jeff capel oklahoma the whole thing we're not investing in jeff capel things go weird we don't want to deal with that i try to pull it back i cannot so my wife is very invested in this watching this game they win by 18 so they cover by one point right okay F- fantastic so then she comes up to me she's looking at the games while i'm playing my kids going you know i really like this oklahoma game I said, all right, Oklahoma TCU. She goes, yeah, yeah, that's that kid, right? That kid. Yeah, yeah, sure. She's in on the game. Six and a half, Gus. I go get sent to the supermarket. She's sending me text updates on the game. What happens if it goes to overtime? This is ridiculous. They're letting this this kid. From- I, lo- I, I love that she doesn't know what happens when it goes to overtime. That's fantastic. No, she goes, why is this TCU guard wide open? Fisher's wide open, banging right, threes. Right. Okay. Uh, by, the, by the way, he made up for his miscue against Texas with making that made layup yep. in, a, in a crucial situation. That was, that was key. Absolutely. And then in the overtime, they actually get up big, and then they end up losing. So she's very, very angry. Right. So – she says, why don't we bet a couple other ones? So we looked at Georgia, South Carolina, figured uh, Yante Mayton was hot at home. They'd right. cover South Carolina. It's what I get for going against Frank Martin. So Frank Martin comes in. So then it all has to be saved on Florida State, Syracuse, which you supported as well. However, I don't think either one of us knew that Terrence Mann was injured and was no. not playing. So we're sitting there totally bummed. We're going to go one and three, right? And all of a sudden... We go to overtime, then we go to double overtime, and the miracle win-win. So, Gus, that was my weekend, totally corrupting my wife into getting involved in these games. We're going to hook her into college basketball one way or another, and she's in. Trey Young got her in, and she's going to want to get that that uh, wager back. That's the power of Trey Young. The fact that the, he can get the casual fan, and by the way, love your wife. She's fantastic. She's amazing. She is a casual basketball fan. Casual. casual. So so Trey Young has, has her in his rapture. 100%. 100% she like wrote. He, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He, Trey Young has that appeal on the casual sports fan. Boom. Example number one, your wife. Yes, and I would not have bet that game because TCU back against the wall needed a win, right? It was one and three in conference. But she wanted me to go in, which I get. She's right a lot more than she's wrong. But listen, my friend, that's a win. 
So thank you, Trey Young, for hooking in my family <laughs> to college basketball. Yeah, and, and making it okay to put a wager if wagers were if, if wagers was legal. Of course, if I'm downstairs doing the laundry, watching the game, oh, honey, I'll do the laundry. Two hours later, I come up, laundry's not done. Trey Young is forty. All right, what do we got today, brother? <laughs> So, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in, uh, tuning in the, the screen of the Skinner College Basketball Podcast. Thank you for carving out some time for us during your busy week. Let's just give the people what they want. They want a rundown of the games, of what in the world happened, because there were a ton of games this weekend. This was like the, you know, we had a couple of, we had a, last weekend was great. It was fantastic. Gave us a whole bunch of drama. But this week just gave us a whole slate, a full slate. If you wanted to watch from 11 o'clock, Starting with uh, with with St. Bonnie's and URI, great win by URI over a desperate St. Bonnie's team. To like twelve o'clock at night, Eastern Standard Time, of course, you could have watched college basketball the entire day. It was beautiful, and that Bonaventure game was so interesting because you know yeah. Bonaventure's only two and two in the A10, right? Very live, great backcourt, Mobley and Adams. But sure enough, Rhode Island is good, and they pulled away. Uh, you don't know if somebody's going to challenge this URI team that seems like on a mission. Uh, in the A10, like maybe, maybe maybe it'll be Davidson. I don't know. Maybe it'll be somebody else. Like I, I, I don't know, but it seems like they are just not. Uh, and you thought you thought like leading in, it might be St. Bonnie's with that good backcourt, but maybe not. Maybe maybe that that URI team is just going to run away with this conference, and then somebody's going to have to pull a gigantic upset in the conference uh, tournament to get that automatic invite, and then URI gets get invited anyway. But you you could have watched twelve hours of college basketball on Saturday. So do you want to start with the biggie? Do you just want to start with Michigan, Michigan State right away and just give the people what they want? Do I want to start with Michigan, Michigan State? I would love to start Michigan, Michigan State. You know, you and I talked ad nauseum about the Purdue Michigan game, and that game you, you felt like that game could have went either way, but you felt like Michigan had something cooking here, right? Not only do they have some cooking against Purdue, what so what does this say? Does this say more about how good Purdue is? Does this say more about how much we're underselling Michigan? Or does this say about how much maybe Michigan State might be in a little bit of trouble? What direction in the triangle are you going there, Mike? Like, how are you configuring this for the Big Ten? And then maybe, like, overarching, like, what, what's the big picture here moving out? All the above. Purdue's really good. They're the only team. Taking care of business is the theme this year. If you totally. take care of business and beat the teams yes. you're supposed to beat, that is worth it. Listen, Purdue only has two losses, Gus. One of them was to Tennessee, which doesn't look that bad anymore, right? So, oh, it sure does not. So Purdue is really good, number one. Number two, Michigan State, the turnovers are an absolute problem. We right. thought it would get better. It has not gotten better. This is a disaster. This has been a terrible run for them. The Ohio State loss. Overtime at home to Rutgers, and now this loss at home to Michigan. Usually, Izzo is saying the sky is falling, and we know it's not. Now he's trying to do the opposite. I'm not buying it. 18 turnovers in this game. You lose at home to your rival. Moritz Wagner did anything he wanted to do. Look like Hakeem Olajuwon, 27 points. They could not stop him. And the guards, Winston and Langford, they're just not giving them enough. So I think Michigan is undersold. I think they're very solid. I think they're a tournament team. They're definitely a top three team in the Big Ten. I, I agree. Purdue is really good. And Michigan State, I think it's time to worry. Why wouldn't you put Jackson on Wagner? I don't get it. Like, are you really that worried about foul trouble? Like, you, Mike Randall, you mentioned that this Michigan State team is one of the few teams in the country that is an upper echelon team that has depth. 
why wouldn't you use that depth to your advantage and put one of your best athletes, a possible lottery pick, on the opponent's best player? Why are you not doing that? I can't believe I'm questioning Coach Izzo on this. I can't believe I'm calling him out. That's what I'm doing. I'm calling him out on his defensive philosophies. Why wouldn't you put Jackson on Wagner and at least try to cog him up a little bit instead of going off for 27? No idea. It's a great point. Four fouls on Ward, four fouls on Jackson, four fouls on Langford, four fouls on, on Nairn Jr. Schilling uh, came in, gave him the big dunk, but that was about it, and Kenny Goings was useless. I feel like Nick Ward is the barometer for this team, Gus. As he totally. goes, they go. He only had four totally. points and five rebounds. Miles Bridges, he's been a disappointment this year. I'll say it. I was big on him beginning. He's stuck in this three-and-a-half position. He's too small to be a four. He's not good enough with the ball and on the dribble and the pull-up to be a three. I'll tell you right now, they need to play him at the four. They just need. To, I think they, so. they, need, they need to either decide if they're going to play Ward slash Jackson. They just need to play him at the four. Totally like agree. If, if you split the time at the five with Ward and Jackson, I'm good with that. Each one of them playing 20, 20-ish minutes and then just – just play him at the four and then like go for it. Like that that's what they need to do. They need to decide on that and go with it. Great win for Michigan. You know who might be the best team in the Big Ten right now? It might be Purdue, right? We read a great article. If you're gonna check the uh S to S like library, like go check out what Reed Forgrave from CBS wrote and, and check out what he wrote about Purdue and why they're going to be a national championship contender. Purdue just wipes the floor on the road at the barn against Minnesota, who, again, at some point was a top 10 team this year. I believe in our rankings, Mike Randall, we had Minnesota in the top 10. At some point, they were really viable, and it just seems like they're a hot mess right now. And Purdue almost doubles them up and wins 81-47. No, Jordan Murphy is really struggling. Back-to-back games now without the double-digit rebounds. Only 10-4 and four in this game. Wasn't mm. good against Northwestern either. Right. This team is a shell of its former self. The, you know, the starting lineup is gone. With the suspension of Lynch, this team is totally decimated. Purdue is great. They take care of business on the road. This game was never close. They jumped out 40-27 at the half. Great job by Purdue. First, The first sign of winning a national championship and being a Final Four contender is being the teams you're supposed to beat, and they're doing it great. Listen, the Big Ten may be down, but that doesn't mean Purdue is down. They have great balance, great leader in Carson Edwards. Haas has been incredible. Tremendous win. Number one, they have a whole bunch of seniors that have been playing together for four years. The fact that you're going to find that at a high major college is unrecognizable at this point unless you're UNC from last year which if you're going to fast, hit the fast-forward button, that plays well for Purdue. Also, the one other person that they play major minutes is Carson Edwards, who we both love, who got major experience in the U19 games this summer playing for USA and pl- was the starting point guard for that team. So it's not like he's like your typical sophomore. He's kind of like your sophomore with like a, a, a senior's, I don't know, resume. Uh, as far as basketball played experience, so Purdue again, we were on, I was on them from you know from jump uh, as a Final Four team preseason, and I'm not getting off them anytime soon. And I think this game just did nothing but to clarify that statement. Purdue is an issue, and they're going to be an issue moving forward. Mike, do you want to jump to the Big East next? And do you want to talk a tiny bit about your four horsemen and Seton Hall getting a nice win at home over Georgetown? Yeah, nice win in that, you know, they came home, they're playing a Georgetown team that 
most people think is not good, although I think Patrick Ewing has gotten them has gotten to play above their head this year. Excellent job by Patrick Ewing and his first year as coach, besides being tremendous on the tweets that are out there, little pictures. Uh, absolutely. But the, yeah. Did an outstanding job, took the lead right in the middle, about a little towards the end of the first half. They jumped out like twenty-eight to twenty-six and didn't turn around. Great job all around. And they have the four players. They're being the teams they're supposed to beat. The loss at Rutgers notwithstanding. Miles Powell with 19. Delgado had 11 and 13. Double-double, of course. Desi had 19 points as well. They even had eight from Ishtonogo. So, real solid win at home for Seton Hall. I was expecting a little bit more from uh, Jesse Govan. I thought he'd play Angel Delgado to a little bit more of a standstill, but Delgado definitely got the best of him there, uh, getting the double-double and playing pretty efficiently, but not his usual efficient self. And Carrington, again, being unbelievably selfless, playing the point guard role there. And it's nice to see Powell get back and healthy after the flu-like symptoms. So he came back with a nice game and was the leading scorer for Seton Hall in this game. So I think Seton Hall, just a nice get-right game for them against Georgetown. And Georgetown, you know, you hope that they keep continuing play. They continue to play well in the Big East and are a factor. Again, one of the highlights for my basketball season thus far was was that Georgetown St. John's game where you had Mullen and 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 Ewing on the floor at the same time. Uh, you know, by the the scoring table, uh, coaching that was really cool. I hope we have another moment like that for Georgetown where they can be a little bit viable. But uh, Seton Hall continues doing what they're doing again. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Absolutely. All right. How about we go to one of the big games? And I think both of us might need to eat a little crow here as far as how good that Graham can be for Kansas. Are you ready to take back some of your statements? I am, because I, I, I feel like, you know, we totally shortchanged Graham, and he just came back and had an unbelievable game and made the biggest shot of Kansas' season against this Kansas State team. So, Mike Randall, are we ready to take back a couple of things that we said about Graham and maybe may, maybe say, like, okay, he's having a great season? What are we taking back? I mean, 23 today, 8 tomorrow. 26 on one day, four tomorrow. Fair. He, of course, he can make big shots. Of course, he can take it. That's great. I understand that. I, I think he makes good shots. I think he's a really, really good Big 12 college basketball player. But he's not a guy who's going to lead this team to a number one seed. He's very helter-skelter. Listen, we got the good Devontae Graham. We got four of eight from three-point range. We got nine of ten from the foul line. We got 23 points against Kansas State. It's terrible. It was one of the worst teams in the Big 12. So, I, listen, I, I, Devontae Graham is what he is. He's going to be a first-team All-Big 12 player. He is not an All-American. I don't see him as an All-American. Correct. Unless he really ja- – if he gets things going, maybe he could sneak onto a third team. No, maybe. no, but, not going to happen. But everybody else had him as a first-team All-American. And all we hear on the social media is when he has a game like this, ah, oh, oh, we know. We know Devontae's like this. Yet when he have eight points, no one says a word. So I, I don't get this. I think it was a great job by Graham. He, it, Denny Green. He is what we said he was. How about this? What if this game's in Kansas State? Oh, they lose. They lose. They lose. How about how about him scoring 11 points at home on 4-14 shooting against Iowa State? How's that game? Everybody talking about that? How about the three points against Washington when they lost at home? Everybody talking about that? If this game is in Kansas State, they lose. 100%. I couldn't believe it was this close. I would have went the other way. I thought, Kansas, can you blow somebody out at I, some point? I, I, I couldn't believe it was this close either. Again, kudos to Graham for the great shot. And... Can we just – I just want to point one thing out about Kansas. Azubuki is playing really ridiculous at this point. Very well. Very well. I mean, yes. we, we talked about Vic being their best player. Azubuki has definitely been their best player, no doubt, this whole entire season. He's been their most consistent player. 18.8 rebounds, five blocks, and he's staying out of foul trouble, which is key. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. All right. Do you want to revisit the beautiful story that you told with your wife and uh, her, her you know, texting you at the grocery store? 
with TCU and Oklahoma next? This says so much about TCU. TCU is one and four in the Big 12. One and four. And they've played a murderous row to start the year. They're the toughest in-conference start of any team. Absolutely. They should have had Oklahoma at home, and they outplayed them the entire game here. Trey Young does what he does, 43 points, 15 of 27 from the field, 10 of 18 from three-point range, so and they didn't can, do a terrible can, job. Can you just hit the rewind button on that? I mean, I know that you're saying that like mockingly, but think about this. He scored 43 points on 27 shots. Yes, super efficient. And the only other guy in doubles is Brady Manick. I'm good because my mom says I'm good. Six of nine from three-point range, 22 points, and he's very <laughs> hot and cold. But if you're t- – Jamie Dixon, you got to get your team to play defense. At some point, you have to get them to play defense because you get from 21 from Brodzianski if he dies, he dies – 22 from Fisher, who was four of nine from three point range. And Kendrick, Ch- Kendrick Williams, I know you're a fan of Kendrick Williams. I, I am, I am, but he did he, not play well. I know he, he played is, all 40 minutes, but like, uh, he did not have a great game. I'm done with him. I, I don't think, I think he's massively overrated. I cannot okay. see another offensive set where Kendrick Williams is standing at the foul line extended, waiting for a three point shot. You have to do more than that. You're 210 pounds. You have to go inside in, in an undersized game against some of these guys. He stands there. He's a glorified three-point shooter. One of five against Kansas, they lose by four. One of four against Baylor, they win in overtime. Oh of four against Oklahoma, they lose. You got to find another way to score. I refuse to believe that all he can do is shoot three-pointers. And that's what I – where's the rebounds? He's getting rebounds. He can't score inside. It, they need this. They're not playing defense. Very frustrating. They should be a lot better than this. I agree. I, I think some of the shortcomings that uh, TCU is experiencing are some of the ones that we pointed out. Obviously, they're alive in every single one of these games. It's simply their end game execution – in the last two minutes, whether it be on the offensive end or the defensive end. That seems to be the crux here for the Horned Frogs. Whatever the situation is, they have to get it rectified or they're going to be one of those bottom three teams in this conference after being a top 12 team uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's going to be miserable. And the game they should have got at Texas, okay? Totally. No Jones at Texas. I know that game yeah, by one. Right. There was a little karma going on in that game. They had some uh, like ancillary, like karmatic uh, elements to deal with that game. But that still, that should have been a win there with Fisher with the missed layup. I agree. They have to beat Iowa State at home coming up. Then they're going to go at Kansas State. That's a tough game, but they have to find a way to win that game at Oak State. They're going to go home Texas, home Oak State, at Iowa State, home. But they got to win some of these games. They're too good a team right now. They're too good a team, and they're not playing any defense, and they can score. But they have guys who are not well-rounded, and Fisher's got to stay on the floor because when Fisher's off the floor, things fall apart. I agree when Fisher's off the floor, things fall apart. I, I, I could not agree more with you. However, because they went through the murderous row early, they, they could have a get-right streak here. But you just mentioned their get-right streak. I don't think anybody wants that as they're like, oh, this is the this is the streak that we can like get a couple wins. Like, no, you don't want to go to Hilton and get a win. No, you don't want to play Jeffrey Cowell in Oklahoma State to get a win. Those are not like appealing games as a, as an opposing coach or a co- opposing team where you're like, oh, here's where I'm going to get my win. This is automatic. Like, none of, none of those are automatic. Well, listen, they're not beating Iowa State. They're not beating Oklahoma State. They're not beating anybody. Because those are the teams totally you got to beat. This is the conference that you're in. They are one and four in conference, and they could have very easily been four and one. If you flip the coin the other way and they execute like in the last minute of each one of those games, 
like yeah, their record could be totally turned around, and they could be looking at a I don't know what do you say what do you think, Mike? Like top five in the country is that is that too outlandish or no? Not even a question. They should have been. They, they should be, but they have to figure it out. Fisher's got to stay on the floor. He gets in foul trouble too easily. They don't play any defense. TCU plays worse defense than Duke does via Ken Palm. Think about that. Like you think Texas Tech, Jamie Dixon, like this is going to be like a, a grind it out. To, but they, their, their Ken Palm defensive efficiency rating is worse than Duke's. And we've been harping on Duke's defensive efficiency rating all season. Theirs is lower than Duke's. So they have, they have issues. And it makes no sense because Alex Robinson, I don't think is very good at all. I don't, I'm not an Alex Robinson guy. I know he right, had a good right. end of the year last year. Yeah. When he comes in the game, everything changes. He's playing 27 minutes a game. So they are deep. They're playing him 27. Aquat Noy is playing 20 minutes a game. JD Miller. So they have depth. I, listen, folks, this is going to be, if they don't make this tournament, this is a disaster. You know, I don't want to hear about TCU was terrible five years ago. They had a lot, the, the, uh, the expectations changed. They had a great start to the year. They have a good team. They can score. I know Kendrick Williams, 15.1 league score. That's fantastic. You know where you find him? Put a big X on the wing extended. That's where he's going to be. He doesn't go anywhere else. By the way, that Nevada win is going to age really well for them moving forward if they don't get any of these big ten, big 12 wins. Like that, that I can't believe that's going to be like their signature win. You hope that they, they, they totally don't just fall off the map and just, just fall on their face. You hope. They, they better. That's the only win they got right now that I'm really looking at. Uh, all right, let's go back to the Big East. Let's go to two ranked teams, right? This was a pretty cool game. You, you thought it'd be a little bit more competitive going into it, but how about number 25, Creighton, going to Xavier, uh, number 10 in the country. Xavier just, like, wiped the floor with them, 92 to 70. I, I feel like on the, the you know mid-major podcast, we said first to 85 would win, and it was definitely, definitely Xavier. Blewett gets out of his funk that he had in the second half and scores 25 points and definitely outplays Foster. Anything you took away from the from the Xavier uh, Creighton game, Mike? Creighton, tough, uh, not great on the road. I mean, tough on the road, not as great as they are at home. Big difference. Xavier needed to win big time. They needed it big time. Trayvon Blewett showed up. The team came out with a lot of passion. Gus's team has lost two games in a row. They lost at Providence, lost at Villanova. This was yep. a get-right game getting home. Nice win for them. End up being 4-2. and two. Now they're tied with Creighton in the Big East. Uh, half game behind Seton Hall and Villanova. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that matchup with Villanova moving forward is going to be a, an unbelievable matchup. If you think just Villanova is going to walk into that game and be like, oh, you know, they're just going to take care of business, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the situation. You know what it's time to talk about on the podcast? It's time to talk about the Auburn Tigers. Darn right. Are, are we ready to talk about the Auburn Tigers Darn right as a yep. ranked team in the national polls? Ranked team, Gus, and this was a big test game for them. They're down 35-24 at the half at Mississippi State. That's Ben Hallen. This is their, oh, well, maybe Auburn wasn't as good as we thought they were. Yep. No way. They respond on the road in a second half, 52-33. to Totally bound scoring. Four guys in doubles. Brown with 23. Heron and Murray with 14. Harper, your guy, had 12. They shot 9 to 21 from three-point range. They didn't have a great game shooting from the, the field, but Mississippi State Ben Howland defense is going to do that to you. Absolutely. Tremendous job all around. Great road win in the SEC for Auburn, taking care of business when most teams in America are not. Here's the situation with this, with this Auburn team. They were down 11 at the half on the road. If you're down 11 on the road in the SEC, that means you pretty much packed it up, get the bus started, and you're ready to go. 
not only did they not start the bus, they went ahead and scored 52 points in the second half. This Auburn team is for real. I know that they're playing compromise and don't necessarily have a traditional big man. But, man, do they have guys that know how to play and are glue guys and play tough. Brown, I, I don't know if you put your eyes on this game, Mike. I had my eyes on this game a little bit. Brown was a difference maker in the second half. He went on a, like a six-minute run where nobody could guard him. He was making contested twos. He made a couple threes. He had a couple of pull-ups. He had a floater in the lane. And he was the difference maker during that six-minute stretch in the second half for Auburn on the road. And you know what? If you're going to have a guy like Brown that's kind of like a no-name guy go off on the road in the SEC, guess what? Auburn should be ranked. They should be a top 20 team. They should be talked about on a national podcast just like our podcast. Kudos to the Auburn Tigers and a big road win against a very stout Mississippi State defensive team. Great win by Auburn here on the road. Yeah, Mississippi State only 6-12 and 12 in the conference last year. This year they started 8-0. Right now they're 1-3, but certainly good things are happening there and great win for Auburn. Let's go to Kentucky earning another road win against a tough Vanderbilt team. This Kentucky team is really vexing. This Kentucky team seems to have it figured out, then seems to fall flat on their face. This Kentucky team seems to have, like, make strides and then gets pulled back. This Kentucky team is just it's so inconsistent. Does it just speak to their roster? Doesn't it just speak to the five freshmen that are playing major minutes? Does it speak to their point guard, Quade Green, being out for this game? What? What? I mean, doesn't it just speak to – what Cal is trying to deal with every day. And don't shouldn't we just give him kudos for getting major wins on the road in the SEC? Yeah, he's doing a nice job. 14-3 and three for Kentucky, still developing, but they're finding a way to eke things out. They're going to beat – they beat Georgia. They won at LSU, which is not easy. They lost at Tennessee, but then they beat Texas A&M at home. They beat – they now won at Vanderbilt. They have to go to South Carolina this week. Then they're going to host Florida in a huge game next week. Then Mississippi State at West Virginia. I agree. Let's give Cal credit. He's trying to figure it out. We think he'll get it right by the end of the year. Gilgis Alexander was huge in this game. Played very well. Huge. 22 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. So he's coming alive. Maybe he plays him with Quade Green when he comes back. Or Quade Green comes off the bench because it seemed like he had a fantastic game as Ling score. Kevin Knox decided to make a shot. 17 points for him. The <laughs> Diallo, 10 points. Washington, 10 points. Where's Jared Vanderbilt? Nice win for Kentucky. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know what I feel like with this Kentucky team, and I think maybe maybe this is like another like morphing of coaching for Cal. Do you think he's going to like just go completely positionless and go like full-on Nevada Wolfpack here where he just plays like five, six, seven to six, eight guys at the same time? Cal is like – trying to adapt to the talent that he has on this current team and just really speaks to like his you know his ability as a coach and 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 like the ability that he has to adapt to his players as opposed to just getting stuck in his system like other coaches in the country totally agree i think we need to get to arizona state oregon state is that true mike Let's time to worry. It's time to worry about Arizona State. Are, are, look, how high is your worry meter? I mean, we talked about the worry meter before with uh, a couple of the teams. We had Arizona State what in the top five, in the top six, top seven, maybe in the top four. How high is your worry meter now? Um, we talked about like all the top teams with their limiters, and we said one of the limiters with Arizona State was their defense. Are, are, are we worried about Arizona State full blown yet? Full-blown. No, full-blown. Full-blown. Let's just look at the facts here. They lost at Arizona. They lost to Colorado. They barely escaped at Utah. Then they come home against an Oregon team that should have manhandled. they got to beat Oregon at home. 
Okay, I understand every conference has tough teams. Yeah. If you're not beating Oregon home this year, who are you beating? Mm. And then here comes Oregon State, who's ten and seven on the year, two and two in the conference, barely survives at home. They're very reliant on Trey Holder. I put out a tweet earlier about Shannon Evans. Shannon Evans has got to score consistently for him, and he did in this game. He had 22 points. Holder only had four. He had a bad game. He's been carrying them on his back the entire year. But Mitchell's only given him four. Justice likes to hit the deep three, falls in love with it. They're not big up front. That's a great, They're going to be great suscept- point. They're going to be susceptible. But most of the most, for a while, Remy Martin, Trey Holder, and Shannon Evans we're all automatic for 15 points. That is no longer the case, and they're struggling. Well, guess what? There's good coaches around the country. People figured out what they're really good at. So now it's on Coach Hurley to adjust to those adjustments that teams have made to him. That's the key right here. So Coach Hurley has showed that he's unbelievable with player development, unbelievable job with his system. His system has proved to be really uh, unique, uh, really troublesome for, for teams early on. Now he's going to earn his money as a coach. Is he going to be able to adjust and make those slight adjustments here and there as a head coach to continue to put his players in successful positions? Or is he going to leave them in the positions that are well scouted by other coaches and just say, okay, I think you're good enough to deal with this? I think Coach Hurley is going to get it. I think Coach Hurley is going to make those slight adjustments. It may take a game or two. But I think he's going to slide those guys over, and I think those guys are going to find their similar levels of success they had early on because he makes those adjustments for those players. I think Coach Hurley is that good of a coach, and I think he's going to make those adjustments along the way. I hope so because they're fun to watch. Uh, Hey, do you want to talk a a little UNC-Notre Dame here? Just a a smidgen on the burn offense by uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Without their two top players – uh, their point guard and their, you know, do everything power forward, if you want to call Colson that. You went, uh, I'm sorry, Notre Dame was really challenged to find buckets. So, you know, Coach Bray went back to the burn offense that he had back in the day where he just kind of like ran the shot clock down and put the put the ball in one of his best players' hands. And, of course, that would be Gibbs or Harvey or Fluger at this point and just like kind of met, let them make a play. And obviously that played out well and almost got them the win against UNC. UNC pulls out the 69-68 win on the road. So, again, huge road win for UNC. What does this say? Does this say more about Coach Bray's like coaching strategies? Does this say we're more worried about UNC? What, where are we at here? Great job by Coach Bray. He has, he has done this. It's been incredible what he's putting together now without Bonzi Colson and without Matt Farrell. TJ Gibbs has stepped up his game. He's playing fantastic. Had 19 points in this game, three of six from three point range. Really has come into his own. We listened to Tom Noy talk about all the weight he lost in the offseason, and I'm glad because he's the go to scorer right now. DJ Harvey is getting valuable minutes as a freshman, but he's not really producing, not playing great, only four of 13 from the field, one of six from three point range. But this speaks to the gritty, gutty, Hard work ethic of Notre Dame. They played their guts out. Nice road win for Notre Dame. Pinson with 13, seven rebounds, four assists. Did a little bit of everything for them. Very valuable player for them. Absolutely. Luke May, May 18-11, double-double. Joel Berry, 15, big shot at the end. But this was about a great job by Notre Dame, playing a North Carolina team that needed this win. They are very shorthanded. Great coaching by Mike Bray. I think you nailed it there. Unbelievable coaching job by Coach Bray. Really gutty road win by UNC, and Joel Berry continues doing what he does in crunch time and making big plays. I think we need to talk about the Shockers a little bit. I think that, that Wichita State needs a little love on the podcast. 
they pull out a great road win against a very live Tulsa team that was playing them, you know, basically to the bones the whole entire time in Tulsa. Wichita State wins 72-69. Tulsa had a shot in the air to go ahead and tie this game late, and Wichita State pulls out the win. Are we worried about Wichita State? Or this is just what happens in, in conference play on the road against a tough team that's looking for a, a season-defining win like Tulsa. Yeah, this is what happens in conference play. That's exactly right. Great win from Wichita. They were winning from the start to the end. Tulsa with a nice backdoor cover. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fantastic. If if gambling was legal. Exactly. Landry and Shamit, uh, Landry Shamit and Frank Cam, 16 points each, 8 of 20 from three-point range for them. McDuffie's starting to get his minutes up. He had 23 minutes in this game, 10 points, so he's getting back in the swing. Things are looking well. It's a nice road win for Wichita. Tulsa doesn't give up at home. Tough place to play. Nice win for the Shockers. Uh, I agree, and I think your comment on McDuffie is straight on. I think the more minutes that he plays, the better this team is going to get. And then, like, you know, who do you take minutes away from? Do you take minutes away from Zach Brown? Do you take minutes away from Rashad Kelly? Like, obviously, you're not going to remove Shaq Morris from the middle, so... I think wherever they decide to take the minutes from, I don't think that's that. I don't think it's crazy, and it's just an advantage for the Shockers. The fact that you can have McDuffie, Brown, and Kelly like play those the, the three and the four, and then you have you know like you know Nurger come in and shoot a couple threes, and 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 so on and so on. Like they, they, their rotation now is ridiculous with McDuffie. Once they plug him into the starting lineup, they're going to be really live. And I agree. I think this is what happens in, in, in conference play. You're going to have to play a couple of these tough road road games. Wichita State earns a tough road win, 72-69 over a live Tulsa team. And like I, I watched a little bit of the same. You saw you saw uh, Coach Haith on the side, like like jacket off, like pumping his fists, like getting down, like in, in a squat stance, like urging his guys to play defense against Wichita State. It's not like they weren't efforting during this. Tulsa thought this could have been their season defining when they just came up short. Wichita State comes up with another big win. Shockers are 15-2, 5-0 in conference. Gus, I'll say it right now, I am absolutely 100% positive they're making the Final Four. I'm not even a question. Wow. I love, the way, I love the way they're playing, the defense. They've had a tough non-conference schedule. They've been very, very strong. They have the guard play. They have the experience. They have the great coach. I am completely positive Wichita State's making the Final Four. Not even a doubt in my mind now. Holy smokes. I love that you picked them like preseason for the Final Four, but the fact that you're backing it up now after like what, a three-point road win? Oh, that, that, that sounds saucy. I love that situation. Mike, let's go, uh, you know, just across the river here. Let's go over to, you know, one of the most famous arenas in the whole entire world. And an MSG this past weekend, the number one team was on stage. And St. John's played unbelievably competitive against the Villanova team. Villanova brings out the win, much like the game we just talked about with Wichita State and and, and Tulsa. Uh, Villanova earns the well-earned road win against St. John's in Madison Square Garden, 78-71. And Villanova kind of keeps rolling here. They get a little bit right on the defensive end. What did you see from uh, Villanova, or maybe what did you see from uh, St. John's here in MSG? Comfortable win for Villanova. St. John's is going to be tough at home, but Villanova, that's like their home away from home. True. Villanova Villanova was up pretty much from the three-minute mark left in the first half all the way through the game. Played very solid. Of course, Pons was great, 37 points. No, Levette, he's got to step up and be better now. 25 points for DiVincenzo coming off the bench. I think he's the best six man in the country. 
Some people will say Gildas Alexander of Quade Green is starting. Sure. I'm going with DiVincenzo. Six and nine from three-point range, five of six from the line, seven rebounds, plays tough, was a link score for this team. Brunson, of course, fantastic. Twelve points, five rebounds, five assists. Wasn't super efficient from the floor, but runs the show. Stu- super steady as always. Super steady as always. Bridges with 15, Spellman 10 and 7. Listen, St. John's is going to play tough at home. They're going to get up for Villanova. Ponds with 37, didn't get any help. But solid one for Villanova, pretty much led the entire second half. We talked about St. John's and how they might be like a surprise team in the Big East. And they've just been struck with unfortunate uh, injury news. And But you know what? Ponds is nasty. He, he got You mentioned 37. And he, he got that 37 on 28 shots and shot over 50% from the field. Like It's not like he was just chucking. He he's worth watching if you if you're if you're a Big East fan, man. Pons is fun to watch, and he he might be an NBA player waiting to play on MSG for the NBA uh, moving forward. Like he he he's pretty fun. But I, I'm with you on Villanova. Villanova just another tough road win, very similar to Wichita State. Sometimes you just got to grind these wins out, and that was a that's exactly what Villanova and Wichita State did. Two top five teams in the country. Uh, Mike will end Saturday's slate with. West Virginia and Texas Tech. I know that you watched a little bit of this game. I know great that game. Uh, great game. I mean, g- g- give us like you know, uh, we we you know we talked a little bit betting wise with this game. But what did you take from this game? Because like th- this game had gave us kind of a little bit of everything that we hoped for. It was everything we could have wanted and more. A fantastic game all around. West Virginia goes into Texas Tech, which is an extremely difficult place to play. They've won God knows how many games in a row there. Texas Tech comes out, but West Virginia matches them with the intensity, playing defense, rebounding. Issa Mod, first game back. What do he do against Texas Tech on the road, number eight team in the country? 18 points, six rebounds, two of five from three-point range. Huge contribution already. Javon Carter was outstanding, 28 points, five of nine from three-point range, three of four from the foul line. Any other conference, he's the player of the year, besides this one with Trey Young. Unbelievable. Texas Tech was gritty. Francis had 17 off the bench, which was huge for them, three three or four from three-point range. And, of course, Keenan Evans, one of the most valuable players in the country, 20 points, eight of nine from the field. It was a great game. A great game. West Virginia led for most of the first half. And Texas Tech had a surge. Then West Virginia came back. A fantastic basketball game between two great teams. Don't understand the court storming at the end, which we have to get into because Texas Tech was favored in this game. Now, they're the eighth team in the country beating the second team, Gus. You can't storm the court. And, of course, we have this absolute disaster now where you're talking about the sophomore transfer, Wesley Harris, and is was starting this game, averaging only six points per game, but he is a starter, threw a punch at the end of the game on the, when the kids were storming the court, which means he's probably going to be suspended for, oh, I don't know, Gus, the biggest game of the year at home against right. Kansas that, tomorrow that, that That's an unfortunate result of the success that Texas Tech has had. All right, so do you want to get into the court storming thing a little bit? Yeah, I, I, it just it's, it's out of control. It's something that has continued over the last few years, Everybody looks to storm the court. Boston College beating Duke at home, legit court storming. But it cannot happen anymore. It happens all the time. Anytime a big team goes on the road, Gus, it's very fixable. Everything in life is fixable. Penalize the home team. And if you do that, put the onus on them to figure it out. You can stop it. You can hire extra security. I think colleges, Gus, can afford to hire 30 more security guards for a home game every now and then when they know it could be a court storming. When you have a top five team coming in, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. And if it's a a blowout game in which you know there's going to be a court storming, that gives you time to prepare for it. And if it's a close game and it's a court storming, very simple. 
you make an announcement. If you come on the court, the visiting team will get free throws. That is it. You penalize them. That's what you have to do. No fan in his right mind is running on the court if he knows the other team will get free throws. It's very simple. You do it. You get some guts. You make an announcement and the kids storm anymore. It's out of control and we're going to lose a player like Harris here tomorrow night because some idiot bumps into him. And I don't blame Harris for throwing a punch. He can't do it. He's got to accept the consequences. But if I'm losing a game on the road and I'm getting bumped by some drunk idiot coming out of the stands, I could pop him too. I could see it happening. So it's understandable. He's got to get penalized, but it's ridiculous. Home teams do something. There's three dynamics here. We'll go through all three real simple. Number one, if you have a potential situation, there is time to prepare. I'm going to go back to what Seth Greenberg, Coach Greenberg from ESPN, mentioned when he was at Virginia Tech and they played Duke. He said that he had a whole plan ready at home at Virginia Tech where it was security involved, like game day was there. He was involved in the preparation. So number one, get the coaching staff and the administration and, and, and the security of the facility involved in the preparation. Top five team coming in, that means you get prepped for a court storming. Two, the students, the student body. Student body needs to have some sort of, I'm not sure what you want to call it, but maybe some responsibility, maybe some culpability on, like if they want to storm the court, then they also have to have some ownership on how they're going to do it. So I think what you mentioned, giving the other team foul shots providing a technical foul whatever that penalty is I, i'm not saying i have the answer of what the penalty is but i think incorporating the student body of who's going to uh, storm the court should be they should know the consequences if there is something involved and then number three how about this you respect being a former division one scholarship student athlete how about you respect where those student athletes are doing their work how about you just let them get off the court how about you let them uh shake hands in the shake in, in the handshake line and then storm the court how about that how, how, i don't, how, I don't how, think gus i don't things, i think those three things somehow you let him off the hook you let no. you let him off you let him off the hook i don't want storming of the court stop storming the court this isn't a final four this is a freaking game in the middle of january for god's sakes no store go home do your funnels at home, whatever you want to do, fun, fun, back in fun. your dorm, whatever you do. Do not do it on the court. Like enough of storming the court. It used to be a thing when Chaminade beat Houston, they would storm the court. Everybody storms the court. Seven plays six, storm the court. Eight plays two, storm the court. No more storming of the court. You storm the court, the other team's getting points. I I think if a rule like that goes into place, I think that will stop it too. But I think all three of those, I think all three of the the factors need to be played in as well because it's not just one simple fix. There's a lot of things that are going to go into it. And you hate to see this situation have be a factor moving forward in another competition for a student athlete. We need to go back to like that NC State Stort Corming. I forget it was that like Cat Barber team. They lifted up a student athlete that was in a wheelchair on the on the court during an upset. Uh, it might have been during Duke or UNC. I don't know. Let's have more of that and less violence. If if you're gonna storm the court, 
let, let's do it with some jubilance. Like let, let let's do it with some ecstatic uh, infatuation, and, and not have it be like I'm gonna come down and pop somebody in the head. Let like let, let's do that. They're drunk. Most of them are drunk. It's a fact. No one wants to talk about it. They're drinking. They're drinking in the stands. That's what they're doing. If you want to celebrate with the home crowd, don't storm. Let the team shake right. hands. Let the visiting right. team go locker room. And then if the players want to go into the stands, that's their issue. But there cannot be any court storming at all. There's no reason players go in the stands, jump on the scorer's table. No problem. Opposing team has left the court. You can hang around and celebrate. And if you and the fans want to do this, celebrate all you want. You're not allowed on the court. You're not allowed on the field in the NFL. You're not allowed on the baseball field in baseball. Stop storming the court. I can't take Listen, it anymore. I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation the whole entire season. I love it. <laughs> Let them come to you. Come to us. Why am I running on the court with my – here's my phone. Selfie. Look. Look. I'm hanging out. I'm going to get hit by Javon Carter. Look. He's going to hit me. The great. He's hitting me. He's hitting me right now. Look. I have, what? And what that's the other part with too with all with all of the that part. Like everything is documented at this point. So it's hard to get away from anything uh, that might actually take place. All right. Speaking of what might take place, uh, Mike, two seconds on the UVA uh, NC State game on Sunday. Anything surprise you there? Yeah, they kicked NC State's ass. Nothing surprised. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was an issue, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, just an old school beatdown. And yeah. Beat and them. NC State was like kind of humbled, like, oh, it would beat Duke. Oh boy, we got to beat these guys. I got something I've been waiting very long to do for you, my friend. We did this a little bit last year. This is going to be college basketball feud. <laughs> Very good. Guess what I have for you here and play along with us if you're in your car, wherever you're listening. Very exciting. Gus, uh, and I'm going to write this up in detail for my short corner, which will come out on Tuesday. What I did was I went through all of the teams in college basketball. Yes, all of them. All of them that have had a really strong season so far. Okay, the teams that are dominating, dominating the small conferences, dominating large conferences, whatever. And I made a list of what I have here are the top 12 most valuable college basketball players this year. I never understood, Gus, when we talk about value, sometimes you talk about like the player with the best stats. Not Not true. true. Not true. Value. Look up value in Webster's Dictionary. Value means you took them off the team and you replaced them with, let's say, an average player at the position, center, forward, guard, whatever it is, average, average college player at that that spot. They They would make the most difference. Okay? So what I did is I went through all the players, wrote them down piece of okay. paper. Then I looked at the schedule okay. for each one of these games. Don't ask me okay. why I did this, but I did. And I have, Gus, the top 12 players with value, most valuable, because if I took them off the team, I view them as responsible for the most wins. We're doing college basketball feud. I want you to guess. It's one question. I'll give you three strikes, and then you're out. See if you can guess them, Gus. The top 12 most valuable players in college basketball this season. So here we go. Top 12 answers are on the board. This is a lot, this is a lot of pressure. Name, name for me the top 12 most valuable college basketball players this okay. year. Okay. I am going to go with first answer, Evans, Texas Tech. Keenan Evans, Texas Tech. Very good. Keenan Evans, Texas Tech. Gus, 
He is up there. He's number nine on our board Excellent. here, Keenan Evans. Very simple. And, and Gus, I'll give you a quick summary. Texas Tech 15 and 2 with Keenan Evans. Without Keenan Evans, here's the games they would have lost. They won 75-64 over Boston College at Mohegan Sun. Okay, so that was almost mm-hmm. a home game for BC. Evans, 29 points, 10 to 10 from the foul line. Only two of the players had 11. I'm giving you that one. 82-76 win over Nevada at home in overtime. Uh, 32 points for Keenan Evans. I think he's that's oh, a game they lose question. if he doesn't play. I can't envision them, Gus, winning at Fog Allen without him. He only had 15 uh, points, but he had six rebounds, three assists. He was seven of eight from the foul line. He controlled the entire game. Texas Tech led from start to finish. I cannot see them, even though it was a huge scoring game, I can't see Texas Tech winning at the Fog without Keenan Evans, so I gave him that one. And the fourth one, Gus, clearly the one that just happened. They don't beat West Virginia at home without Keenan Evans. 20 points, five rebounds, eight nine from the field. Only two guys. He was a link scorer, only two guys in double digits. That's a game differential of four games. Without Keenan Evans, 11-6. and six. With Keenan Evans, 15-2. Gus, he's number nine uh, on the I list. can't believe you have a game differential for each one of these guys. I'm very excited about this moving forward. Uh, you, you, you have no idea. <laughs> I don't know when I did this. So, Gus, very good. You got one down. There are 11 other answers. Trey Young, please. Give me another one. I wonder if there's Trey Young. Of course there's Trey Young, Gus. In fact, he's number one. He is the number one. I know that's real surprising, right? Gus, they're 14-2 and two with Trey Young. I gave him seven. You could probably give him eight games. So seven and nine without mm-hmm. okay. Trey Young. The only one I wasn't sure on is they beat North Texas at home. I think you could give him that young that game because it was very close, and Trey Young had 32. But if you think they somehow find a way to beat North Texas at home, he only had seven. But seven's a floor. It could be eight. He's number one. Okay. Okay, let's go with – how about this? Can I please have Trey Bell Haynes of Vermont? Trey Bell Haynes? Of yes! course okay, there's Trey Bell true. Haynes. Yes, Number six, Gus. Number six answer, Trey Bell Haynes. They're 13 and four with Trey Bell Haynes. Remember, they missed the, they played without him against Northeastern and they lost. Okay. So that shows you how valuable he is. Thank you. Excellent. He's a five game differential. They're eight and 10 without Trey Bell Haynes. They beat Bradley by one. They beat Northern Kentucky by two. They win at Yale. He only had six points there, but he had 10 assists, four rebounds and played the most minutes on the team, 33. So I'm saying they lose at Yale without him. 62-56, 62-56, they won at Harvard. That was no lamb right. in that game, Gus. 31 minutes, 11 points. He timed for the team lead, team lead and five rebounds. And he's 5-5 five of five from the foul line, which is critical in the stretch against Harvard. And they just beat Stony Brook, 73-62. 20 points, six rebounds, four of seven from three-point range. You have the number one, the number six, and the number okay. nine answer. Keep how going. about, can I please go Yante Maton from Georgia? Yante Maton? Oh, I'm sorry. That's oh, your first no, try. Really? Yante Mayton did oh, not. Yes, was... Yante Mayton did not. Uh, Georgia has struggled a little bit. Mayton did not crack the top ten. Ow. Very good guess. So that's okay. your first uh, strike. This is not going to go well from here because he was one of my – I was sure he was going to be one of them. Uh, okay, let's go with uh, – how about Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State? Chandler Hutchinson? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's strike number two, Chandler Hutchinson. We like Chandler Hutchinson, absolutely do. But Boise State, not great, and they've won some games by was, large margins. I was That's going with thing. his uh, most recent performance of over 40 points over the weekend, so I thought that we would go there. Uh, okay, how about how about Trayvon Blewett from Xavier? Trayvon Blewett? 
Very good. That's number three answer, Gus. He is also plus seven. He is also plus seven, which is very big. Certainly, Trayvon Blewett, you can make the case. Gus is 16 and three with Blewett. I have him at a seven game differential. They'd be nine and 10 with just a replacement for Trayvon Blewett. At Wisconsin, they won that game. They barely beat Eastern Tennessee State 68 66. He had 18 points, four three pointers in that game. They beat Cincy at home, man. And I understand that they pounded him from the beginning. But I have a hard time thinking they beat Cincinnati Cincinnati in that big battle unless he has 28 points and 5 of 10 from three-point range and 9-11 from the field. They barely beat Marshall, 81-77. They got up big, but they had to play the second half without Makura, blurred vision, without Gates, who was dizzy, and without Najee Marshall. Injury, so that was a big game for him. The win at Northern Iowa, the win at Marquette, the DePaul game, they were down 16 points but came all the way back. I'm not going to give them a win at the home game against Butler, though. That's where I'm going to hold off because they had balance scoring there. Makura 20, Gooden 12, Gates 11, O'Mara 10. That's seven, Gus. He is number three on the list. So you have one, you have three, you have six, and you have nine. You only have one All right, I'm left. feeling a little nervous about this one. How about uh, Landry Shamit from Wichita State? How about Landry Shamit? Very good, Gus. That is number four. So you've got one, three, and four. They have three of the top four already. The Shockers, Gus, are 15-2 and two with Shamit. Without Shamit, they'd be 9-8. and eight. I have them in a six-game differential. Remember the Don Coleman game? I think they lose that one early on, 92-82. He, <laughs> he had a 35 in that game. Shamit had 23-4-4 from three-point range. How about the Marquette game? Shamit was a leading scorer for them. They won that game. They eked it out. He had seven rebounds, four assists. The at Baylor game, he was critical down the stretch, played 36 minutes, seven assists. How about South Dakota State at home? They rallied from 13 points down. Shamit was a league score, four of eight from three-point range. At Oak State, Gus, they won by 12, but they pulled away late. Shamit had 30. I'm not going to give him the Arkansas State yeah. game because Samaje Haynes-Jones had 27, so I won't give him that one. I'm going to give him the Florida Gulf Coast game at home, though. Shamit, 33 minutes, 23 points, 5 of 6, made all four three throws, 3 of 6 and 3-point range. I'm not going to give him the UConn game because McDuffie was back for a few in that one, but I will give him this Tulsa game, Gus. 16 points with Frank Camp, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 and 9 from 3-point range. He played 37 minutes. That's 6 games for Landry Shamit, 9 and 8 without him. Very good. You have 1, 3, 4, 6, okay. and 9. Uh, how about one of our best like max value players? Can I please have... Mike Dom, since you just mentioned him in the rundown of Landry Shamit. It's very smart listening, Mike Dom. Yes! Yes, Mike Dom. Number uh, number 11. Yes, 16 and 5, South Dakota State is. Without Dom Gus, I I think they they lose four more games. They're at 12 and 9. They won at Mississippi by two. Dom at 26.7 rebounds, 6 of 15 from three point range. I think that counts. They beat North Dakota State on the road. He had 37 points, 15 rebounds, 16 to 16 from the free throw line. They beat Oral Roberts, 78 75, 27 points, 12 rebounds, four of seven from three point range, and five of five from the line. And the last one, Gus, the fourth one for Mike Dom, Drake, 35 points, 14 rebounds, four of seven from three point range. I think Mike Dom makes a four game differential. He is number 11. Dude, You're doing very well. All right, Mike. I would normally go with one of my guys, but because this is your family feud, I'm going to think in your direction here. And I'm going to say, how about 
Haas from Purdue, not Carson Edwards or Vince Edwards. So give me Haas from Purdue. Because I'm making the list. Isaac Haas. Yes! Isaac Haska is very good. Number seven. He's worth five games. Now, listen, Carson Edwards is fantastic and is probably going to get more accolades than Isaac Haas is. But if you look at the games, Gus, that were close for Purdue, Isaac Haas was the difference. The Carson Edwards big games in terms of points, rebounds, did not really come in close games. He's hit big shots. There's no doubt about that. But I would say that Haas, if you look at the box scores, has been more responsible. Here's my point. I got him 17-2, and two Gus, with Haas. Without him, I think they're 12-7. and seven, So it's a five-game differential. The Louisville game, he was 5-7 of seven from the floor, four rebounds, nine points. That was a very, very close game. It was very low scoring, 66-57. The Maryland game, 80-75. to 75. Gus, he had 21 points, five rebounds, four blocks, 10-13 from the field. How about the, the Northwestern game? 26 points, 9 rebounds, 10 of 14. It's the only person Northwestern to have an answer for. The Butler game, the Crossroads Classic, 15 points, 3 rebounds, 5 of 7 from the free throw line. I didn't give them the Nebraska game, Gus, because they were up 10 at the half. And if Harms plays, who I kind of use as the replacement, by the way, as an average player, I don't think that they they I still think they beat Nebraska, so I didn't give him that one. And the last one, of course, Gus, I think I have to give him is Michigan. He pretty much set the tone. He had Beeline call a timeout because they couldn't stop him. Seventeen point six rebounds. Gus, he makes his free throws and he hit the big one at the end. So I think he's a five game difference. I think Purdue is twelve and seven if you just put a normal guy in there with Isaac Haas. Unbelievable. But yes, what very good guesswork. Yes, Isaac Haas. You've gotten one, three, four. Six, seven, nine, and eleven. Very well done. You have okay. five left. How about we just go with one of our favorite guys? How about Javon Carter from West Virginia? Javon Carter? Of course, yes! it's Javon right. Carter. That is number five. So, Gus, you've dominated here. Three, four, five, six, and seven. Javon Carter has been fantastic, folks. I have him making a six game differential. Six games for them. The Marist game, they only won by six early in the year. He had 20 points, five rebounds, four assists, four steals. The Missouri game, Carter, 29 points, five threes, eight of eight from the foul line. How about the UVA game? They beat in Virginia without Javon Carter? Zero okay, chance there. Oh, my goodness. At Oklahoma State, 38 minutes, 12 points, four rebounds, seven assists, five steals. Did everything in that game for them. I'm not going to give them the right. K-State game. Even though he had 10 assists because I thought he only had three points, it's not fair. I won't give him the Pittsburgh game because they were up huge at the half. I will give him the Oklahoma game at home. He was a leading scorer, 17 points and seven rebounds, 10 assists. The Baylor game, he played all 40 minutes, Gus. Never came off the floor, eight rebounds, uh, eight points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a massive three at the that end of that game that put three. him up. That was a big so I got three. Big three. It takes some guts. It takes a special player. Six for, for Javon Carter, Gus. So you're doing very well. You only have one, two, three, four Okay. Players. We're going to go with one of my player of the year preseason picks. How about Ohio State's Kata Bates Diop? KBD? Is that a thing yet? Hey. Very good. I, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying with the four horsemen. I got ridiculed by Jeremy Schneider over that one. I'm trying for the horse horseman here. Uh, Ohio State's 14-4. and four. Gus, without him, I think he makes four-game difference. They're 10-8. and eight. 
The win over Stanford, he was 18 and 11. The win over Michigan, he was 18 and 9. He made uh, two or three from three point range. Iowa, 27 points. That was a close game, too, on the road. And then the Michigan State game. I mean, how yeah. do not give him this game? I know it was a blowout, but 32.7 rebounds, 12 of 21 from the field. So, Key Debates D up is number 12. Gus, you were missing two, which is surprising. It's a small school guy, too. Eight and Interesting. 10. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get the small school guy. We'll see if we. How about. Along the Kata beat Bates Diop line, do we just want to go with with Brunson from Villanova? Jalen Brunson. Yes, we certainly do have to go Jalen Brunson. Very well done, Gus. This is a guy who was slow to warm, but look, he's worth four games. They're sixteen and one with him, Gus. They're twelve and five without him. Western Kentucky game. Remember that one? Eighteen points, leading score, seven and nine from the field. Two or three from three point range. The Tennessee game, Huge twenty-five game, yeah. points. He yeah. leading scorer, nine of nine from the foul line. The LaSalle game, Gus. They're losing at the half. Thirty-five minutes, seventeen points, seven assists. They won that game, moving away at the end. I can't say the Gonzaga game, Gus. He only played right. twenty-one minutes. They blew him out. Twelve points, no threes. I just think Villanova had that game. Plus Bridges was fantastic, right? But I will say the Marquette game. 27 points, 8 assists, 9-11 from the foul line. Marquette's been on fire. My friend, you have gotten 10 of 12. This is a superior job. There's two left. One is a small school. One is a big school. One is a, And both are big men. How about this? How about we go out west? How about we go with uh, DeAndre Ayton from Arizona? DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. you got DeAndre Ayton. Very good. You have one left. Yes, and this, and if you think about it, Gus, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because they didn't have Raleigh Hawkins. Alonzo Trier was good early, not late. Gus, he's worth five. He's worth five games. And guys, my number eight. They're fourteen and four with eight, and without DeAndre Ayton this year, Gus, they're nine and nine. UNLV game, Texas A&M game, Alabama game, Arizona State game. How about the Oregon game? Twenty-four and seven, ten and eleven from the line. One it's left, my so friend. So good. I- can't like so good again like i know that you know nba draft boards are like getting built at this moment if he's not the top three i don't know like who your scouts are okay since this is your list i'm gonna go back to the like isaac haas type your arch nemesis jacques landell jacques landell (laughs) oh i'm sorry you know he was on the list, but if you look at St. Mary's games, I can't say that Jock Landell made the difference. They win every game by 15 to 18 points, so I just couldn't get him there. But he did make the final cut. The number two player, who's right behind Trey Young, and he's right in the Trayvon Blewett area, Nick uh, King from Middle Tennessee King from State. Middle Tennessee State. Great call. But if you look at the numbers, man, it's really yeah. not even close. I mean, he was tremendous. They're 13 and 4, Gus, with him. I think they're 6 and 11 without him. Murray State game won by five. He had 31. Florida Gulf Coast, 32 points, 11 rebounds. They won by five. At Vanderbilt, won by three, 9 of 11 from the line, 23 points. The Princeton game at Hawaii. Giddy hit the game winning shot. King was a leading right. scorer in that game. UAB, 30 points. They won by three. At Florida International, five points. Gus, he had seven points in overtime, 17 and 10. And Florida Atlantic, he was a leading scorer with 16 and 11. I think wow. Nick King, you can make an argument. He's the most valuable player in college basketball besides Trey Young. So in order, Gus, Trey Young, Nick King, Trayvon Blewett, Landry Shamit, Javon Carter, Trey Bell Haynes, very good. 
Isaac Haas, DeAndre Aiden, Keenan Evans, Jalen Brunson, Mike Dom, and Keita Bates. Nice. Uh, I'm so disappointed I get King, but uh, I'm glad I was live for the whole entire family feud. That was exciting. You yeah. did a great job. Well done. I mean, it's a superior right. job. Come on, man. Jeez. I'm All right. right. So, listeners, thank you so much for carving out some time for the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a follow on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. If you're looking for some Screen the Screener information in print, please Hit up Mike's excellent site, RandallRant.com. Mike does an unbelievable job with his short corner write-up. He'll give you like a, a summary of what happened during the prior week uh, in college basketball. We also have a couple of your, uh, the rankings up there. Those rankings will come up towards the end of the week. Uh, we'll give you that. And if you're looking to follow Mike on Twitter, please give him a follow at RandallRant. And if you're looking for to email the show, and we already have a couple of answers for the trivia question, from the mid-major uh, podcast over the weekend, please hit us up, podcast at gmail.com. That'd be a great way to answer the trivia question. The trivia question, again, was the Big East was formed in 1979, and there were seven teams originally in the Big East. Name those seven teams. So if you think you can name those seven teams, please let us know the answer to the trivia question. We'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. What else do we need for the listeners out there? That's pretty much it, guys. Listen, we appreciate the ratings. Somebody gave us a one-star rating. It's got to be a competitor, Gus, because I think we're banging out the content here. We're going above and beyond for these people, aren't we? I mean, I, so let's let's offset that one-star rating with some five-star ratings. Listen, I think the one-star rating speaks to the love. I think if you got a little hate, that means you got a little love. So, yeah, I, I agree with Mike. Let's offset that one-star rating and, and, and pump up a couple more. Again, if you give us a... Uh, written review will give you, uh, you know, we'll give you a little shout out on the podcast as well. So uh, don't be afraid to leave a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I know it takes five minutes, but it's important five minutes of your week. So we value that five minutes. So thank you for giving it to the Screen the Screener podcast. And folks, we got a great week coming up. Short Corner will come out on Tuesday. My solo on the Power Five will come out on Wednesday. Gus and I'll be back on Thursday. Friday we give the rankings, and Saturday Gus gives his mid-major podcast. Boy, what a week! I think it's going to work out just fine, uh, listeners. We hope that you're enjoying the additional content that we're giving you uh, this college basketball season, and we're going to try to keep it rolling up until March Madness. And you know what happens during March Madness, Mike? If you remember last March Madness, didn't every day that there was a qualifier we gave like a short podcast on what was happening for the people out there that's exactly right i can't wait for it. it's a lot of fun yeah, it's, great. it's gonna it's be a lot stuff. a lot of fun i can't wait for it all oh right, my so, god uh great Mike, job, thanks folks. for running the family feud listeners we hope you enjoyed it and uh again salancha gratulatia and i'm just gonna give a little shout out we had a we had a a, a twitter follower that that gave us a shout back from japan so we're gonna say Arigato. Yeah, we're getting retweeted in Japan. Things are going well here. I think we're okay. Salancha, Gatsulacha, cheers, and Arigato.